welcome to the weekly podcast of Covenant Grace Menifee. Each week, we gather to better understand the teachings of the Bible and how to live them out in our daily lives. We hope and pray that you're encouraged by this week's message. Father, I just thank you so much for the gift of your wonderful word, or that your word is inerrant. Your word is life-giving. It's sufficient. It's necessary. It's a blessing to us. It's savory. Lord, we need it as our food. And so we just pray this morning that you would so speak through Gabe as to bless your people. We're here. We desire to be fed from you, our Father. And we have just been so thankful about how you've always been so faithful to feed us every Sunday morning through your word. And so we pray that you do that through Gabe. We pray, Lord, that you give him insight and direction as he preaches. And Lord, make our hearts good soil. We've come here with a bunch of different hearts, um, some more prepared than others to hear your word. And we pray, Lord, that you would make our hearts good soil for the seed of the gospel. Lord, we pray that the enemy wouldn't pluck it out. We pray that the cares of this world wouldn't choke it out, but that it would dwell deep into our hearts, that your spirit so water your word in our hearts, that it would make it whole life of love for you. And we pray, Lord, for those who don't know you here this morning, Lord, we pray that you would enliven them, that you would take dead hearts and make them live hearts that beat with love for you. We thank you, Lord, for making us a church. We thank you that we do not have to do the Christian life on our own, but that we're a family, your family. And I just pray, Lord, for all those who are here that aren't yet connected to a church family, Lord, I pray that they would find a home here, even as the Psalms say, that even a sparrow finds a home in your temple. And we pray, Lord, that you would give them a home in your church. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. I don't know about you, but I am very thankful that my singing does not get me into heaven because I'd be kicked out real quick. And along with singing, have you ever had that um, experience where you're singing along with a song? And you think you sound just like that artist that you're singing along with? I don't know about you, but that's happened to me multiple times. I'm listening to a song. I'm like doing the Temptations of Lydia. I'm like, man, I hit that note perfectly. Man, I sound just like Marvin Gaye. I was like, Lydia's, she's probably like, man, he's hot. But I know, and you know, if you turn that volume down just a little bit, you sound nothing like him. You know, I sound probably, you know, that's far from the truth that I sound like Stevie Wonder or Four Tops or, you know, whoever I'm trying to win my wife over with or Mariah Carey. Sometimes I think I sound like her. You know, it doesn't matter who it is. If the volume is up loud enough, man, you think you sound like that person. And there's a misconception that we have. And I don't know about you, but also even with my voice, I remember the first time hearing my voice recorded I was like, Lydia, do I really sound like that? Has that ever happened to you? We hear our voices all the time, and we think we know what we sound like. But then once we hear our voice recorded, we're like, oh, do I always sound that lazy? Oh, my gosh. I'm like, Lydia, do I always mumble like that? She's like, yeah. I'm like, do I always, like, slur over my words like that? Yeah. I'm like, dang. She's like, but it's okay. I'm like, man, you guys have to deal with that all the time? I thought I sounded like Morgan Freeman, you know, this whole time. But the reason why I say this is because I think a lot of us have a misconception 
about the reality of who we are. Even when it comes to the way we sound, we have a misconception that we think we know what we sound like, but that's not the reality of things. If we were to hear what other people hear, we would realize that's not what we sound like. And the reason why I say that is because I think that type of misconception happens in our lives all the time. And what we're going to see in the book of James is James is dealing with people who think they're wise, who has, have lived a life going, I'm wise. I, I, I live wisely. And he's going, all right, let's give a diagnostic and let's see what you really live like. And I think a lot of us, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, especially as we put ourselves under the light of Scripture, we're going to realize that our wisdom that we think we have might be a misconception. Does that make sense? As tracking with me? So, we're going to be in James chapter 3, verse 13 through 17. And what James is going to be doing is he's going to be comparing two types of wisdom. And before I jump into the passage, I want to give you guys my points up front. So if you guys take notes, you guys can write these down. My three points. Point number one, earthly wisdom. What is it? Or what does it produce? What comes from it? And where is it from? What is its source? And then point number two, heavenly wisdom. What does it produce? And what is its source? Where does it come from? And then point number three, how do we become wise? That's what we're going to be doing this morning. So let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll read the scripture. Heavenly Father, Creator God, apart from you, we can do nothing. You are Creator. You're the one that tells us how to live this life. And so I ask in your wisdom, will you please give us of your Holy Spirit this morning? In the name of Jesus, give us the Holy Spirit. Because apart from your, the Holy Spirit's work, this time will be pointless. This time can be meaningless. But we have a ton of confidence that you will come because of the truth of the gospel. That because of what the person and work of Jesus Christ, we get access to you, Father, and your instruction and your wisdom through the Spirit. And so I ask, Holy Spirit, please fill me up. Use me as a vessel to just teach your word. And let it not fall on dead ears, but let it push us to obedience. Not because that's what saves us, but that's where we find true joy, true happiness, is as we submit to your word in light of the gospel. And so I ask, Holy Spirit, please fill us, soften our hearts, open our minds, open our eyes, give us the ability to hear your word clearly. Let me get out of the way and just preach your word, please, God. No matter how I sound, no matter the words I say, as long as it's your words, God, please let them move us. Let, them, let us see you with a clearer vision today because of your word. Let us be encouraged and convicted through your word for your glory, your honor, and your praise. Please, God, will you do that? I ask in the name of Jesus, please do that. Bear fruit through this time. 
Pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, starting in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And so what James is doing in this passage is he's comparing two types of wisdom, earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. And what he does is he shows what those types of wisdom produce, the effects of those wisdom, the results of those wisdoms, and then also he shows the source of the wisdom, you know, heavenly, earthly. But he, he kind of leaves us hanging with a definition. And so before we move forward, I want to give us a definition of what wisdom is so that we're all on the same page, okay? So I think the biblical definition of wisdom, wisdom is skillfully applying the right knowledge to a given situation or circumstance. So wisdom is skillfully applying the right knowledge to a given circumstance or situation. Make sense? And so that's what knowledge is, or wisdom is. Wisdom is always taking knowledge for a purpose, for a goal. Wisdom always has a goal in mind. You know, I think in our culture we tend to misrepresent wisdom and we confuse it with just knowledge. You know, we always look at an older person that's, you know, saying just he's intelligent, and we go, man, that person's so wise. But we never look at someone that maybe treats somebody nicely and goes, man, that person's so wise. We almost always just deem someone wise based on what they have up here. And what James is going to do is say, that's not wisdom. Wisdom is using the knowledge, taking the knowledge, and applying it to your life moving forward for a goal, for a purpose. Make sense? And so wisdom is the skillful, skillfully applying the right knowledge to a given situation or circumstance. Wisdom always has a goal in mind. So let's go ahead and dive in to our first point. First point, earthly wisdom. Look with me at verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. And so earthly wisdom... What does it produce? Did you guys see what it produces? It produces first bitter jealousy. You see that in verse 14? Bitter jealousy. That word jealousy in the Greek could be either negative or positive. 
It's the word that actually comes um, to mean zeal or zealousness. And so someone could have good, positive zeal, right? Jesus had zeal for the Lord's house. The zeal of his house consumed him, and it caused him in John chapter 2 to turn over tables and get people out of their house because they were using it for something improper and sinful. And so God had, Jesus had zeal for the Lord's house. We can have a great zeal for God that God looks at and is amazed at and loves because if it's for him, but this zeal, we know that is bad because James says, if you have bitter zeal or bitter jealousy, this is a jealousy, this is a zeal that's about us. We're not zealous for God and his kingdom and his, his name. We're zealous and jealous for our name and for our kingdom. You know, if you're at work and you see someone succeed, does bitterness sprout up in your heart? Are you able to be thankful for that person? Or you go, man, I've been here longer. What the heck? I, I deserve that position. I'm a better salesman than that person. Man, I'm a better mechanic than that person. What, why are they? I'm better with people than that person. You know, they shouldn't be managing. I can manage better than them. Does your heart show forth a person that has bitter jealousy? That's all about yourself? That you have zeal for your name. And then the second thing that he gives, but if you have bitter jealousy, and what's the second thing? Selfish ambition. And this, this word in the Greek was always applied to politicians trying to do something to gain something. And so they had selfish ambition. They were greedy, so they would put up a front, a fake, to look like someone to win the crowd. So this is a politician going to fairs, going to state fairs and just doing whatever, doing pie contests, you know, getting pies to the face, just doing whatever. Why? For selfish ambition to get what he wants. You know, this is a person that goes to work and you know them. You know, it shouldn't make us mad, but you know those people. Man, they're backstabbers. They do whatever it takes to get to the next level. They do whatever it takes for their name so that they can look better. They will, in front of your face, praise you, but behind your back to get something, stab you. We all know those people, and we might have been those people at some time. You know, are you that person that has bitter jealousy? It's about you, zeal for yourself. Bitter meaning it doesn't produce something good or refreshing, but it actually kills. It's unsatisfying. Selfish ambition. Are you all about yourself? I know for me, um, I'll just give you a story. A couple weeks ago, during the weekends, Lydia's watching the kids Monday through the weekday, and then on the weekends, I try to get up early and take care of the kids and do, you know, be a good husband, you know doing my godly duty, you know, godly wisdom, right? I'm getting up, I change all their diapers, I change their clothes, man, they're looking good, man, I'm doing good, man, I feed them, Lydia wakes up, I feed her, I'm like, here you go, you know, she, she's loving it, I'm killing it, you know, I'm doing it because God wants me to, you know, that's why I'm doing it, and as the day goes on, the way that we find out what wisdom I have is we'll see what gets produced, 
We'll see what happens later on. And I think I'm doing it, you know, God calls me to. God calls me to serve my wife, give of myself to build her up. So I'm doing it. I'm killing it. You know, I probably, you know, I don't sound like Morgan Freeman, but, you know, hopefully I don't look like him. Um, But I'm doing all these things that you can look at Scripture and go, wow, good job. People might be looking in and go, wow, Gabe is doing good. He has godly wisdom. He is doing so good. Well, later on in that day, it's like 11 o'clock. It's not even that. It's not even out of morning time. I didn't even make it that far. Man, we're, we're, I have this app that we use for budgeting, and Lydia hasn't been using it, and she's been wanting to learn. So I was like, oh, you know what? I'll serve her. I'll show her how to use it. I go over, do you want to learn? She's like, yeah. I go over, I sit down. I'm like, so this is how you use it, and I'm showing her. I'm like, see, this is what we did for groceries. And she's like, what was that purchase? And I was like, man, I'm just, let me just show you. And, she, and we're going, I'm like, yeah, so you do this? She's like, why'd you put that in groceries? I'm like, I don't remember. And she's like, well, that shouldn't have gone in groceries. I was like, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. Lydia, I've cooked. I've got the kids ready. I did this. And what was I doing? Was I doing it for God's glory and for her service to build her up? Or was I doing it so that she can go, wow, Gabe, you are doing great. Oh, man. And it showed through my life. How pathetic is that? You know, and you husbands, are you wives, are you serving out of the strength that this earth supplies for reward so that someone can praise you? You know, my life, sadly to say it, a lot of times I get, you know, hit in the face that I have bitter jealousy. I get jealous of friends doing certain things, or I get jealous of a coworker being able to be on a certain project that I don't get, or whatever it is, I'm confronted that, man, what wisdom am I listening to? Who am I listening to? Because look what it's producing. Look at the selfish ambition that I have in my heart. Man, I can't even serve my wife without wanting her to go, good job, and want her to tell somebody about it. How pathetic is that? How sinful is that? What in your life are you doing that's showing forth your wisdom? Are you bitter, jealous, having selfish ambition, or is your wisdom from above? But let's keep going with this depressing time. (laughs) Look at verse 16. So he says, you know, what, what does this earthly wisdom produce? For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. So what does this wisdom produce? This wisdom produces disorder. This wisdom promotes and produces disunity, commotion. It doesn't bring people together. And rightly so, right? It's all about self. If we're all about self, we need to push, we're going to push people away instead of bring them in. Instead of building someone up, we're going to tear them down to build us up. Of course, this is not wisdom from above because this is not bringing fullness and peace and unity to this world. Where jealousy and selfish ambition exists in our hearts, it will always produce disorder. And then the other thing it says, and every vile practice. That can also be translated every all kinds of evil practice, or I think my favorite, and I think it fits best here, is all kinds of worthless works or worthless practice. 
And think about it. You know, when we're being selfish and it's all about us, what do we tend to do? Think about our culture, how selfish and just individualistic we are. Think about what we do. Think about how many hours of worthless TV watching we do. It's all about me. You know, think about the way that we work. We don't work unto the Lord all the time. We a lot of times just work to get a check, and we drive home, cut people off, get mad that they're cutting us off, get mad that they're taking the shoulder while we're sitting in traffic, and it's all just about us. It's all me, all me, and we get home, and then get mad that the house not clean, get mad that they're not praising us. Oh, my gosh, here, kick your feet up. No, that's the wisdom that comes from below. It's full of jealousy, selfish ambition, and where that exists, there'll be all sorts of disorder, disunity, and every worthless practice. So where does this wisdom come from? So we see what it produces, jealousy, selfish ambition, disorder, every worthless practice. Where does it come from? Look at verse 15. So we know that it doesn't, where, where it doesn't come from, it, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but what? But is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. He's kind of going from bad to worse. He's kind of peeling back the layers in these three statements. And so the first one, he says earthly. That's a person that does not take into account the eternal reality of things. That's a person that's focused solely on right here, right now. And then he goes a little deeper. He pulls back a little bit and he goes, unspiritual, or some might say sensual or fleshly. That's a type of wisdom that's all about serving your flesh. It's all about satisfying your senses. It's all about me. It's about, you know, how many of us, I'm tired of hearing retirees give this type of wisdom. Oh man, I retired and we traveled the world. We traveled the United States and it's all about them. It's all about giving all of their money to just their desires and their senses. How sensual and worldly and earthly and unspiritual is that wisdom? It sucks. They spend their, you know, 30 plus years just putting into a 401k, 457. Why? Because is that wise? Oh, yeah. But what wisdom is it? Yeah, God might be able to use it. And I think he does use it. You know, I'm putting into a plan, but I hope I don't lose sight. But are we doing it as our goal to just eventually work hard and then get to a spot where we, everything can just serve us? That's earthly and unspiritual. And he goes back even further and he goes, and you know what else it is? Look what it says demonic. That's wisdom of the devil. That's wisdom of demons. That's a demon's theology. That's demon wisdom. Who are you going to for counsel? Demons. No, my mother-in-law. Oh, no, what? That's fine. <laughs> Sorry, Blanca, if you're listening to this. She's not a demon, and she would never say that stuff. Good thing she can't tell her daughter to divorce me. That's fine. Um, but also turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. So where does this wisdom come from? It's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. 
And the first time we see it is in this passage. Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1. You know, before this, right, in chapter 2, humans only listened to God. Isn't that cool? He walked with them. He made them needy that they would need to know how to live this life. He said, be fruitful, multiply. They weren't hardwired in how to live. He actually had to teach them. And then here comes, this is the first time we see a different voice come into play. And it's a different wisdom. Look at what it says. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. This is the first time where we see a different voice give different wisdom. And he's telling them, he's like, no, that's not true. You won't die. You'll actually become like God. Take it. Build yourself up. And it's about them. And instead of being the image bearers that Eric was talking about last week that are like this 45-degree angle mirror that when people look at us, they see God, we turn that mirror around and we look at us. It's all about us because we've been listening to the wisdom of the devil. And it's crazy because I think one of the biggest you know, effects that Satan has on us and you know, kind of the winds that he has over us is he makes us only see that this wisdom is earthly. And we never peel back the layers to see that maybe we're listening to also the devil. It's one of the biggest lies that this culture listens to. You know, we're all about just what's in front of us. We never realize the spiritual world around us. Man, it says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the powers, the rulers, the spiritual forces. Have we been tricked by the devil? A lot of us would have to say, sadly, yes. But there's another wisdom. Hopefully it gets a little more happy. But there's another wisdom. Turn back to James chapter 3. And so point number two, heavenly wisdom. What does it produce and where does it come from? So heavenly wisdom. Remember James says, you know, verse 15, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above. But now look at verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And so, this wisdom, what does it produce? It says it's first pure. That's an innocence or a moral blamelessness. You know, it's clear. It's like water. You can see through it. You know what's in it. It's not full of anything. It's like God, right? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. For every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with 
from whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. He's the same. There's nothing else in him. He's immutable. He's a good God. And so the wisdom that comes from, from above is first pure. And then he goes and says, from this purity, from this pureness, flow about seven different traits. Because he says, is first pure, and then he says, then, and he lists these seven things. And he kind of clumps them up in three groups. And the way that we see that is because in the Greek, um, he actually starts to rhyme and have alliteration with the groups. So like the first three words, they all start with like the letter alpha, and they rhyme together. And then the next two words, you know, they start with a different letter, and they rhyme. And then the last two words, same thing. So in the English, we don't really see it other than what they mean, but he clumps them up in groups. So let's look at the first group. Verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason. So that word peaceable is a, marked by a person that loves peace. That marks, is marked by a person, this wisdom that comes from above, from God where God is, is a wisdom that is first peaceable, he loves peace. He looks for peace. He longs for peace. And where there's disorder, they seek to put peace in there. And then the second one is gentle or could also be considerate. This is a person that considers other people's interests more important than their own. And then the last one in this group, open to reason. Or in the Greek, it like literally means easily persuaded. Isn't that crazy? You know, how many of us aren't that way? You know, easily persuaded. It's not talking about a gullible person or a pushover, but it's talking about a person that just has a natural deference to people, that is just constantly loving people. There's a passage in 1 Corinthians 13 that says, love believes all things. How many of us hear a story and we just constantly challenge it, constantly don't believe? It has no theological bearing on us, but we just always just want to argue, always want to put our you know, two cents in. And it's just about us. But the wisdom that comes down from above loves peace, is gentle, kind, considerate, and is easily persuaded. And then the next group, it's mercy and good fruits. It says, this wisdom that comes from above is full of mercy and good fruits. And mercy always goes along with good fruits because mercy is always accompanied with action. You know, how can you be merciful if you see someone in need and go, oh, be blessed, be warmed and filled, and then you leave and you don't give them what they need? That's not a merciful person. That might be a fake person that says they actually care about you but then sends you on your way without helping you. A person that has wisdom from above is full of mercy, and that mercy then moves and has good fruit and acts on that emotion. And then the last section, the last group, is impartial and sincere. This wisdom from above produces a person that has, doesn't play favorites. He treats or she treats all people based on them being made in the image of God. No matter their ranking, no matter their riches or what they can give to them, they treat them fairly and bless them because they're made in the image of God. And they treat them the way that God has treated them. 
You know, we were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, but the grace of God was shown on us because of his goodness. And now we can look at sinners that maybe have hurt us and love them and treat them the way that God has treated us because we know he has treated us that way. Amen? And then the last word is sincere. And I think it's important that he put it at the end because this is a word that can mean literally not playing a part. You know, how many of us have been in a conversation and thinking to ourselves going, how do I get out of this? You know, and we're just going, oh yeah, you know, we're being considerate, we're being nice. No, that's sinful. That's, being, that's playing a part. We're being fake. But the wisdom that comes down from above is sincere. That purity that it starts out with, you see what's in it. But some of us act these things, but internally are still selfish. Internally aren't sincere. We're playing a part. But the wisdom that comes down from above plays no part. It's who he is. It's who she is. Inside and out. He's been so affected by the grace of God and the truth of God that that then affects their life and they live wisely. A Christian is a person that shows what they believe by wise living. And so I think we need to ask the question that James asked in the beginning. Verse 13 So, who is wise and understanding among us? You know, I think if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of us would have to admit that we might have wisdom from above sometimes, but a lot of times we have wisdom from below. That's all about us. Does your life show forth a life of just pleasing yourself? Have you used your money just to serve yourself? Do you put more into your retirement and your house than you do giving to the church and giving to people when they're in need? You know, I had a friend just recently talking to them, and they're saving up. They were saving up for a house. They actually bought it, and and she was saying, you know, I was like, oh, are you going to that birthday party? No, we're you know trying to be good stewards with our money. We think God wants us to buy this house, so we're you know not going out. I was like, okay, cool. I was like. Um, Okay, then the second time, another birthday came up, hey, going, nope, we're trying to save, you know, we're not going out, we're trying to be good stewards with, I was like, well, do you ever think, you know, God wants you to consider other people's interests more important and just go, that it would actually bless them, and they're like, well, you know, we thought about that, but we do, you know, if they want to hang out, we can hang out with them outside of that at a park or something, or they can come over to, you know, whatever, but we're not going to go out. We just don't want to waste money. I was like, okay, cool. That could be fine, you know. God could totally be for that. I'm not saying that that's bad or he doesn't want us to buy a house. I'm not saying that. But then I asked the question. I said, with you saving your money, if someone does come to you and needs something, yeah, I just need 50 bucks, will you give it to them? And she said, well, right now we're saving money. God wants us to buy this house, so we need to be good stewards of so we're, you know, saving everything we can for this house. And I was like, there's a problem. Although I'm not going to tell you you need to, you know, what you need to do, but have you really asked God that that's what he wants you to do? Is that really 
what he would call you to do, I think it's okay to save. I think he does call us to be good stewards and not just throw our money away. But when it comes to the point where we're not willing to give of ourselves to serve and better someone, who are we listening to? That sounds like earthly wisdom to me. That sounds like uns- unspiritual wisdom. That sounds like wisdom that the devil would give. So I would just challenge you. In our lives this week, challenge yourself, challenge you know me. Who are you listening to? What, wis- what is the wisdom that you're listening to producing in your life? Is it selfish ambition? Is it bitter jealousy? Can you not worship God for someone else advancing? Or is it full of peace? Is it like the last verse says, a person and have a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace? You know, does it resemble the fruit of God? Jesus in the garden It's so crazy. He is fully man and fully God. At the snap of his finger, could have called down angels to destroy the people that were going to arrest him. But in the meekness of wisdom, with his strength under control, he goes, Peter, put down the sword. I have to go. Why? So that my enemies may have peace. Jesus, the strongest God in the world, the strongest being in the world, creator God, everything was created by him and for him. And he goes, I need to take the cross to bring peace and a harvest of peace for the enemies that are spitting on me, beating me, nailing me to a cross. Isn't that crazy? And how many of us people just cut us off and we can't forgive them? Like, how pathetic. So how do we get wisdom? It's by seeing the gospel and being transformed by the gospel. And then the last verse that I want to share with you guys is Job chapter 28, verse 8. So my last point is how do we gain wisdom? How do we become wise? Job 28, 28. It says, And he said to man, Behold, The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. So right with James' question, who is wise and understanding among you? Well, this passage would say, the fear of the Lord is wisdom. And turning away from evil is understanding. So how do we become wise people? How do we get the wisdom of God? We first start with the beginning of wisdom, which is the fear of the Lord. We need to get a proper vision of who God is. He is creator. We are creation. He is deserving of all worthy praise and honor. We have sinned against him. He has done nothing but good to us, and he is just in his righteousness, in his wrath to punish us for all of our wickedness, all of our selfishness, and he is just and right to do that. Yet, because of his character, because he loves peace, he has went so far to give of himself fully on the cross to bring peace to us who do not deserve it. We need to see God for who he is. He is creator. We are not. We belong to him. We deserve to give everything back to him. 
And we need to see who we are in light of that, the truth of who He is and remember the gospel. And as we're impacted by the gospel, the truth and peace of God, it, it says in 1 Corinthians 1 that the gospel is the wisdom of God. As we're impacted by the wisdom of God, we need to turn and be peacemakers. Who is it in your life? I know there's people in here that have bitterness against somebody. That maybe at work you had a disagreement. Who do you need to go to to make peace with? We are people who have been affected by the gospel, changed by the gospel, not only forgiven by the gospel, but actually empowered to now be freed up to obey God and be peacemakers just like him. And so who is it this week that you need to pursue peace with? Man, I think of it, you know, kind of like a Disney story, like with Frozen. I feel like, you know, Elsa, she was about to destroy the world. Everything's going to be ice. But then Anna, right, comes and, you know, I don't even actually, I've only seen the movie once. I don't even know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> I just, all I know, yeah, sure. All I know is Aunt Anna kills it at the end and, you know, loves her and brings peace. And I just feel like, us as Christians need to be walking through like a field that's dead and just bringing life, you know. But all of us need to be that type of peacemaker, be so impacted by the wisdom of God that wherever we go, peace comes along with us because it's the Spirit that works through us. You know, multiple times at this church, I have come with disorder and disunity in my heart and just, just worthless deeds that I've been doing. And Margie, you have been a huge blessing to me. Yeah, I'm calling you out. You've been a huge blessing to me. By your example and you embracing me and my kids, you have been a huge blessing to actually get me back to the place where God wants me. And what's cool is even last week, Lydia was telling me Micah was having a rough time, and then Phyllis came up to Micah and made him smile, and she said it actually helped him to obey her. We need to be that type of people that when people come encounter with us, it changes the way that they see life. You know, even those checkers just working along. It's so crazy as you just treat them as a person and you go, hey, how are you doing? They're like, oh, you, you noticed me? You're not in the self-checkout line? What? You know, we need to be people like Jesus blessing this world. The Abrahamic covenant is a covenant that the, the nations that are Abraham's seed would bless everybody Bless this world with the truth of the gospel and by good deeds through wisdom, through the meekness of wisdom. And so this morning as we come to the Lord's Supper, if you're lacking in wisdom, if you're like me, struggling to fight against the other wisdom, come and be strengthened this morning through the Lord's Supper. Come and remember the wisdom of God that makes all things new, that can take our wicked, sinful hearts that create disorder, disunity, and make them whole. Come to the table when you are ready and be blessed by the gospel, the wisdom of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I love you, Lord. I'm, I'm so thankful that, that you love peace that you, despite me, showed 
your grace and your kindness towards me and my family. Man, I was just a dumb kid. I'm still dumb. Had no guidance, no wisdom, living all for myself. Yet you saw it fit in your wisdom to change me, snatch me up, and transform me. And I am forever grateful for that. Please help me not to lose sight of that. I just ask God, if there's anybody struggling, will you give them the ability and desire to repent from those sins and turn to you? And if anybody in here is simple, God, through the truth of your word and through the truth and the effects of the gospel, make them wise. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you that, like a loving father, you give us what we need to build us up, not to just leave us down and tear us down and show us where we're at and to never build us up, but you show us where we're at. You rip away the layers to build us up. You who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. Please, Holy Spirit, fill us, strengthen us, give us guidance, give us wisdom, give us insight, and as we come to the table, let us be refreshed and strengthened by this means of grace that you give us. Praise things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can email us at info at May the Lord bless your week and guide your steps.